Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick and this is episode number 189 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe, and also brought to you by Acoustic Disc. They just reissued the Josh Pinkham uh, album Slapback last week. The reissue's incredible, has four bonus tracks, and it also, at Acoustic Disc, they have that great podcast with Danny Barnes and David Grisman called Acoustic Encounters. So thank you to both of them. How's everybody doing? Number 189, 189. That's the temperature today, I think, in Charleston, 189 degrees. Or It feels that way. Hope everybody's staying cool. I cannot wait to get to the mountains uh, for the Green Mountain Bluegrass Festival. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And just a few weeks here coming up. I am pretty stoked for that. So uh, hope to see a bunch of you there. That's going to be a really good time. Tons of mandolins. Tons of mandolins, so looking forward to that. Um, man, congratulations, by the way, speaking to David Grisman, congratulations to David Grisman and Sam Bush for being put into the IBMA Hall of Fame. Congrats to them. I know Sam's in there as a member of Newgrass Revival, but he needs to be there on his own as well. He's just just a incredible. I mean, he's two of my favorite mandolin players. That's so awesome. So congrats to them, and congrats to everybody that's been a guest on my podcast that's nominated in the awards. There's such a such a huge list. Great, great lineup of uh, musicians. So congrats to everybody for the IBMA noms. Looking forward to being at the IBMA Awards this year as well with my buddy Keith from Picky Fingers. So more on that to come. My guest this week is in Scotland. That's where he lives. Colin Morton's got a brand new album. He's getting ready to record. While we're doing this, he reached out. He's got a Kickstarter that just started a few days ago. And I'm telling you, it is a very low amount he's trying to put together. Uh, some of these Kickstarter things can be can be really up there. And this is a extremely achievable amount. So I'm going to have the link down below in the description. I backed it. It's uh, From the stuff I've heard, you're going to hear samples of uh, of two of the tunes one is a YouTube video. I'll have the link below as well to the YouTube video. And one's a um, single that comes out next Friday, the 28th of July, 2023, depending on when you're listening to this. Both songs are great. So let's help them get to uh, get into the studio to make an entire album. Uh, super nice guy. You're going to hear that. You're going to hear some of his other playing, too. And uh, before we get into that, though, let's get into our sponsors, Peghead Nation. Peghead Nation's streaming video courses in guitar, mandolin, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. You can learn bluegrass, old-time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots Music. Check out this lineup of Peghead Nation's uh, teachers. Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibus, Chad Manning, Ian Corey. As a matter of fact, I just saw on Peghead Nation's Instagram, Aaron is there recording some some new lessons right now. I can't wait to see what those are. The courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. The best part of Peghead Nation's video courses is you can get your first month for free. Just go to pegheadnation.com, use the promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Head over to their Instagram to check out their new uh, instruments they put out on July 9th. Some really cool stuff. I cannot wait to check them out in person. 
uh, Ear Trumpet Labs hand-built microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed. They have great feedback rejection for live use and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. Pava Mandolins, dedicated to building for the impassioned player. Pava Mandolins in Austin, Texas. Tone Slabs. I just got some new ones. We're working up a little something here with mandolins and beer. I'm pretty excited to check these out. Uh, Tone Slabs at Frank Sullivan and David Welch. They are making these incredible picks. Uh, if you follow them or some of your favorite mandolin players right now on the interwebs, mostly the Instagram, you're going to see a lot of these players using them. I use the Darth Tone. I love it. Uh, they're great picks. Um, they got the sizes and shapes that you're used to. Go to toneslabs.com right now and get yourself a slab of tone and elderly instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I say mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. Now going into their 51st year. They're family-owned and operated. They ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime at elderly.com. I visit them multiple times a week at elderly.com. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in once again. Everybody stay cool. Head over to the Kickstarter and, and help fund this project, and let's get into the episode this week. Have yourselves a great week. Cheers, everybody. Now it is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Callum Morton. Callum, how's it going? It's going great, yeah. Thanks. How are you? Great, great. Thanks for taking the time for doing this. You are in Scotland. I, I am. Yeah, I'm in Glasgow at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about um, the temperature difference there, and um, I told you what it was going to be in Fahrenheit, and you're like, yeah, I'm not really sure. And then I told you what it was. We, I pulled up on the computer at the temperature at Celsius, and like, wow, yeah, that's hot. So that's going to, for people yeah. in the States here, it's 96 degrees here. It's going to be in Charleston, South Carolina. And comparatively, it's a beautiful 62. <laughs> it's in Scotland right now. Yeah, it's it's really nice here. Um, I've, I've been to North Carolina once and, and the temperature was okay. That was in like the fall, as they say, autumn, as they, as they say over here. Um, but, uh, you know, right here, right now, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of mild and humid and, uh, raining a little bit and that's just how we like it over here so. <laughs> yeah. now were you in uh were you there for ibma were you in north carolina for that i don't think i managed to go at the time um i was over for the fall semester so it probably happened while i was there um but managed to miss it somehow yeah um, yeah so you went to school in you, you did some some schooling in east tennessee university i did yeah i was over um i think it was must have been 2017 year um, and I did a semester there through the exchange program so uh, ideally they'd have someone from uh, Tennessee come over to Glasgow and study at the Royal Conservatoire um, but it was just me that went over that year there was no exchange uh, from, from their side and uh, yeah man I, that, that program that program really really changed my path in the mandolin uh, I was I was studying with Adam Steffi. That was the, the year he was there, 
and uh, I can't say enough good things about it. It was it was a great program, and uh, some some crazy good pickers over there. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, yeah. I've met a bunch of them, and I see a bunch of them at IBMA, and uh, I've gotten to know know a few uh, like Thomas Castle and and uh, yeah. Josiah, and um, yeah, there's so many great players there. But before we get into um, like studying with Adam Steffi, which is just that's just incredible sounding on its own. How did you get into mandolin in Scotland? Is oh. it a, is it a popular instrument in mandol or in Scotland? Not really. Um, it's, I have kind of a weird a weird way in. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a long story. I'll 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 shorten it down for you. Yeah, do you, hey, whatever you need. I, I'm I'm interested to hear the story. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, um, there there isn't really much mandolin playing uh, around here. It's like it's much more classical or traditional uh, traditional Scottish music. And uh, those are kind of the two um, industry paths that, 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 that are more established. And, uh, you know, my dad was always uh, into classical uh, music. He, well, he, you know, at the time when he had us, he was more into rock and alternative music, but he, he always appreciated having a classical uh, background, you know, like train yourself in a classical background and then uh, branch out. And uh, my mom is from Taiwan, so she's like the classic, uh, in quotations, tiger mom. Um, <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she made us, uh, you know, um, rightly so. She, she kind of disciplined us from a young age and, and got us into to, to get grades, you know, and pass these higher grades. And, um, you know, in the UK, there's this thing called ABRSM. And, you know, you go from grade one to grade eight. And, uh, you know, that was a big thing in our household when we were younger. Um, and I was playing classical violin for a long time. You know, it wasn't till high school that I uh, picked up the mandolin because I joined a traditional band and, and, and you know, that was called Fiddlers on the Ramp. And we played a bunch of uh, this, this one band's music called The Chair. Chair are a heavily influential Scottish uh, traditional music band based in Orkney and uh, Douglas Montgomery is a very renowned fiddle player and we used to cover all of his music and, and they have a mandolin in that band and so when we're, when we're playing their music uh, you know there's something missing in my ears and so I, I convinced me and my bandmates to go in on this mandolin it's, it was like a box yellow bright yellow sunburst uh, <laughs> <laughs> it had like six strings in the shop and it cost about a hundred and it cost about 180 pounds which is like something like 220 dollars or something and uh, i loved it i loved playing it and uh you know i played that for a summer and i played the hell out of it i didn't stop and uh because because i was doing grades as i mentioned earlier like abrsm grade one to eight i was playing a lot of bach and uh you know i was sitting there playing bach on my mandolin and i was like I wonder if anyone's done this before. Like, I wonder if anyone's picked up the mandolin just to play Bach. And I looked on YouTube and lo and behold, you know, there's Chris Feely <laughs> shredding the, the E major partita. And I'm like, well, okay, great. This is, this is what I want to do. And I was 15 at the time. And, uh, 
you know, I kind of just didn't look back. I just, I just, uh, I got hooked onto watching Chris Dealey. And of course I found my way to Nickel Creek from there. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got into mandolin playing. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly Chris. <laughs> so then for you, you can read sheet music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really, it's, it's, it doesn't hurt me at all actually. You know? um, <laughs> and it, it's, it's great. It's great for writing. That That's the, the where I prefer it. Re- reading is kind of, um, you know, that's more of a, if you're in an orchestra and you're, you're reading on the go, that's, that's a real skill. But I like it for when I'm writing music, because um, I can, I can, you know, I can see it on the page. And I don't, and, and a lot of the music, it's similar with uh, Scottish music to, to is with bluegrass, where a lot of it's learned by ear. But with classical um, and with composition, I like having the sheet there in front of me and I can see what I'm doing and I can, I can hear in my head, but, but having it down on paper is really, uh, it's really important. And it, I think it's a good skill. So you, you get the mandolin, you've been doing the violin. Um, did did you kind of abandon the violin then right away? And no. Just, oh, no. Let yeah. me tell you, man. Let me tell you, that's that's been one of my biggest struggles, I think, of my life is 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 to have – well, I sound like I've had a very privileged life, by the way. That, that, that's, that's not true. Um, but, yeah, one of, one, of the, one of my biggest struggles in, in terms of music is is whether to leave the violin behind or not. And, oh, wow. And, and, and right now I – I play a lot of uh, Kaylee music. You know, um, Kaylee is the traditional Scottish uh, dance music. setting uh, I play the fiddle and I really enjoy that and I do that about you know once a week um, for weddings and events and stuff like that and that that's where I really like to get into violin playing but when I'm not doing that I'm, I'm mostly playing mandolin yeah yeah so after you discover Nickel Creek how, how does the path go for like your mandolin studies there like what kind of things were you listening to 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 kind of pick up some chops on the mandolin Oh, let me tell you, man. Like I, I just listened to so much Chris Dealey when I was younger. I was like a, I was like a zealot. I was a fanatic uh, about Chris Dealey. I, I have written out like all of his solos on like Ota Butterfly, Eureka, you know, all of his uh, stuff from uh, Not All Who Wonder Are Lost, like that, Raining at Sunset and stuff like that. That's my, uh, that's my peak, uh, peak album for me, and and I, I did that for ages and and just religiously did uh you know chris Dealey tunes on the mandolin and that was really helpful because chris Dealey is like really technical um so it really developed my chops on the mandolin um and i was doing that for a while and then i saw chris play at Merrillfest, and this was this must have been like 2013 or 2014 so this is on youtube this, this wasn't live and i saw him play and he was playing this this waltz called Ookpik waltz
uh, I don't know if you know that one. Oh yeah. Uh, Daniel, but yeah, it's it's a great waltz, and and then you know from from a classical musician's point of view, I can't emphasize enough how crazy it was. It was like he was improvising on this on this waltz, and the stuff he was pulling out like out of thin air it seemed just absolutely blew my mind. And uh, you know from then on, it was like, how do I achieve expression in the moment on my instrument? And um, yeah, as a classical player, it's so so difficult to to, to bridge that gap because you're used to reading music uh, from a page. Um, so yeah, trying to work up the chops to, you know, um, be comfortable in any key on your instrument uh, on the spot is, is uh, it, was a, it was a big learning curve for me. But, uh, you know, one that I'm still working on uh, and I, I love working on it, so. How did you yeah. approach that though? Because it, it's interesting to hear from the classical perspective because that's something that people even not in the classical perspective like people who maybe even like just listen to bluegrass um struggle with is how to improvise and how to be able to come up with stuff on the fly so coming from a classical background where you're so used to having it in front of you how did you approach that and, and get to where you are i mean obviously it's a lifelong path but you know you sound like you definitely worked on it and, and succeeded, I would say, from the stuff I've heard. So, <laughs> oh, thank you, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, as you say, it's a lifelong journey. Um, but it was mostly just, you know, practicing a bunch of uh, fiddle tunes, uh, fiddle tunes, fiddle tunes, fiddle tunes every day and spending a lot of time in different keys. Um, now, this is something that uh, Adam helped me develop while I was studying in, uh, in in East Tennessee. Because as a classical player, you're quite rigid, rigidly focused on playing the melody, and really, um, <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of cool classical licks can like seep into your playing. And uh, Adam helped me just stay in one key and jam, and try and just like try and wiggle your fingers until something something works out. And I'm not I'm not advocating for that style of practice, but <laughs> but for for a classical musician, like learning to to noodle, was really really important. Um, you know, it just helps you break out of that like really rigid. Uh, uh, it's kind of a self-imposed um, environment where you're like, I'm not playing a hundred percent what's on the paper. You know, where's this coming from? Uh, and that to get out of your head is like a, a it's like a long process just in itself to get out of your head. Um, but Adam helped me. He sat me down and, he, you know, because I, I was listening to Chris Seeley, I was like, hey, let's play Fisher's Hornpipe. And and uh, me and Adam, we sit down, we play Fisher's Hornpipe. I'd play the tune. After the tune, I didn't know what to do. And then Adam would be like, okay, play it again. But, like, try and do something here or try and mess with this little bit here, this two-bar phrase. Or, hey, try this little lick at the end instead of the melody. And he would just jam with me for the whole lesson, and uh, yeah, it's that kind of um, that kind of approach that really, really widened my uh, approach to play mandolin. Yeah. Were you familiar with Adam Steffi before you went over to school there? Yeah, so Adam was the reason why I uh, I decided to to go to to East Tennessee. Um, I was familiar with him, like because I because I would say like I'm I'm of the generation that's much more like. <laughs> much more uh online um and i listened to a lot of chris Thiele, and then sierra hall was coming up at that time as well and uh you know sierra and adam are, are really similar i think sierra learned a lot from adam and uh so so i started like searching out adam's videos and and i listened to grateful and obviously that that blew my mind as well so 
I, I'd heard Adam's stuff and I, I really liked everything I heard. I saw he was teaching there and I just, I just jumped at the chance. So you, so you knew that music was kind of going to be your thing at, at, you know, at a certain point, like what, what age were you like, okay, I think I'm going to just do music. <laughs> you know, that's a good question. I, uh, I can remember when I was 15, I was, I was, you know, really passionately into mandolin playing. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, my mom's from Taiwan and she's, she has other ideas sometimes and, and they're really, they're really reasonable uh, ideas. You, you can't fault her for it. And she tried to hit me up and, and get me this shadow position at an accountancy firm. So I remember really vividly uh, either being a mandolin player or an accountant. And <laughs> that, that crossroads, uh, you know, when I decided to be a musician, um, yeah, I, I moved like my whole life from, from Edinburgh to Glasgow. And I went full, I went headlong full into playing mandolin. And I, I went to study at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. So I, I yeah, I chose, I chose to do music. Um, and that's what then I spent my life doing since then. And it's, uh, it's been a learning curve for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it keeps curving with you know, <laughs> yeah. more online yeah. stuff and digital. It things. does. Yeah. It does. It's crazy. Was it tough to get into the Royal Conservatory? What um, I'm going to say it incorrectly because I would say conservatory, but the Royal mm -hmm. Conservatoire is that what you called it? Yeah, that, that's that's the, the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. Yeah, I would say um, I would say I have a, I have a twin brother and he plays classical. Uh, he plays classical cello, and we we both auditioned at the same time. And my brother got in, and then a couple of days later, they emailed me and they were like, "Hey, do you want to come in as well?" So I think we were kind of a package deal. Oh no. I think, uh, <laughs> I think the conservatoire had a think and they were like, we can't really split them up. This is too mean, you know. Um, so I got in and, and I, got, I got in playing, I think I was in first year classical mandolin. And I was studying with uh, Barbara Pomeranke Steele, who, who studies in the same uh, school of mandolin playing as uh, Mike, Marshall, uh, Mike Marshall's uh, wife, Katrina. Um, and... Uh, you know, it was like bullback mandolin playing, so a completely different style. The, the way they hold the pick and, and the sound of the instrument is completely different. There's no truss rod. Um, so it has this beautiful bell-like sound. And, and they, they, they focus a lot on the downstroke. And, the, the, and, and then the, the school of playing is much more uh, influenced by Raphael Kalachit and his style of, of classical mandolin playing. So it's completely different from where, what I was interested in. Uh, which was just a shred like Feely does, <laughs> and and so it was it was a good learning experience. Like I really, really, I really like looking back on that on that learning part of my life. Uh, it it was really good to get exposed to that material, um, and I also really developed my Bach playing. Um, that was my sort of thesis was uh, on getting into the conservatory. Was can this be done? Can I can I develop uh, Bach on the mandolin more and more, um, and uh, yeah, and then I and then in second year I moved to traditional Scottish uh, mandolin playing, and I went to study with uh, Laura Beth Salter, and uh, she 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 was kind of similar to Adam where we play a bunch of tunes together uh, in the lesson, and because it was traditional Scottish, it was also a lot uh, a lot of the tunes were learned by ear as well, so it was a different aspect of learning music that um, I was exposed to at the conservatoire, and uh, I I'm really grateful for that exposure. Yeah. It's really good. What's some of the um like the the hallmarks and the unique things about Scottish folk music that 
that you would say compared to say American folk music or or bluegrass or fiddle tunes? Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of the bluegrass fiddle tunes are inspired by uh, tunes from over here. I'd say like it depends where you are in Scotland. A lot of the a lot of the places in Scotland have different styles. There's West Coast fiddling, and you know, um, Shetland players have a different style from Orkney players. You know, so it's it, you know, there's a lot of different styles and a lot of different approaches to the music. Um, I would say Boeing maybe Boeing maybe is crucial. Um, yeah, a, a lot of different tunes and a lot of different the, the way that they can the way that you can get feel out of the bow uh, has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I would say stuff like Temperance Reel. Um, and, and St. Anne's Reel as well, you know, uh, those ones. And, and uh, you know, they're, they're very, uh, they're, they're very close to home. Um, yeah, you, you'll hear them over here definitely in sessions, you know. Um, so those are good ones to, to play. Is the session scene similar to, to, to Ireland? Like when I got to go, I got to go to Ireland for a month in, in 2019. And, you know, you go to uh, little pubs and there was just cool sessions going on almost everywhere is that very similar to scotland yeah yeah definitely i mean i'm i should say i'm not i'm not much of a session head myself but uh i know i know a lot of people are and, and they, they session you know five nights a week uh different different pubs and uh wherever wherever we'll take them you know uh, and sometimes even multiple times a day um, so you know it's a big thing over here uh to to be able to play in sessions it kind of you know, make sure that your your teeth are always sharp. You know, um, <laughs> you know other other players will will definitely show you up if if you're not uh, right up there. You know, with the best. So it's it's good. There's a lot of music going on in Glasgow, and uh, yeah, a lot of sessions to go to for sure. What was it like to go from the um, from your schooling in in Scotland and then go to the East Tennessee University? Was it a big learning curve? A big difference? Yeah, let me tell you, it was it was <laughs> huge. It was huge. Uh, you know, because I was I was sort of a, a budding bluegrass enthusiast. I was a, I was a Chris Steely enthusiast first and foremost, but I was a budding bluegrass enthusiast as well. Um, and to go over there and to hear like to hear how they do it properly from from the pickers over there, it was like it was just a mind blowing experience. And it was it was almost it was almost comical. Like I would I would go around, I would just be walking around in uh, Johnson City, and like it seemed like anyone I met could just pick up the mandolin and just fire away like you know, 50 tunes at like 100 BPM, you know, 150 BPM, <laughs> crazy, crazy rates. And and not even just mandolin, it was like, it was like they also could play fiddle and bass and dobro and, and banjo. And it, it was so inspiring to be around. And as you say, like Thomas Castle and that, that roster with, uh, you know, Trey Wellington was there when I was there and uh, Tyler Griffith and uh, Alex Genova, these crazy players who were just, who were just, you know, uh, who had reached like such technical proficiency um, but then we're so open as well to like just jamming uh and, and and making you feel comfortable within tunes that you didn't know kind of thing so it was yeah it was really great to be around yeah and then what was it like to study with adam steffi for uh, when you say lessons like how often did you take a lesson with adam i'd say like it was probably um yeah it was it was a really formative experience for me to study with adam I, I took, I think, one a week and maybe we missed the, the occasional lesson. And that went on for, for about three or four months. And uh, and then we, 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 we played a show in the, the down home in, in uh, Johnson City. And I didn't play with Adam, but, like, you know, it was it was great to be there. And, and uh, you know, the lessons with him were, were incredible. It was, it was, as I said, we just, um, 
we just jammed fiddle tunes and as, as a classical player coming over to bluegrass it was really great for me to get that exposure and adam had this thing uh at the end of the lesson he would give you a handshake and, and I, I don't know if you've met adam steffi in person but he has massive massive mandolin playing hands that's kind of why that's kind of why he only uses the first three fingers is because like from his index to his ring finger he gets like almost the, the whole stretch of the mandolin. size of the neck he doesn't need that pinky and uh you know i just started living for the handshake at the end of the lesson you know I, it was just like i just needed that handshake and uh it, it was yeah it was so great because he he just yeah he's such an inspiring guy and a generous musician as well so yeah very formative lessons Man, well, I just I just can't imagine like hearing that tone like weekly, just sitting across from him going, "Oh, that's 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 the sound." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was that's so it. good. And you, you know what was the best thing about it? It was you know, from as a classical like classically trained musician, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about theory and and thinking about like how the chords interact with each other, and you know, uh, and Adam, you know, every lesson he'd say, "Now I'm no theory guy." <laughs> and then he bust out into this crazy, like these crazy lines on the mandolin that, like, I had no hope of ever playing. And I just sit there, like, this is this is incredible. This is completely the opposite way around of the way I learned music. And I just wanted to do it every day, and it's yeah, it's so great. Yeah, so that's great. so interesting. It's there's just so many ways to approach the instrument that you don't really think about, like, and it's really cool talking with you about that. Well, I'm definitely not schooled at it at all. I mean, I didn't even take my first lessons until like a few years ago when I saw Jake Jolliffe was doing like online lessons. Yeah, and, man. Yeah, he's great. Oh, so great, you know, but, <laughs> but it's also inspiring to hear somebody who can sit down and, and really study Bach and understand from a, um, you know, by looking at a, a piece of paper, like understand from that perspective, as well as from ear, it's just as inspiring to me. And I, you know, it's, it's yeah. really cool to hear this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's so inspiring when you see someone who has a connection with their instrument that isn't like them just reading what someone else has already written, you know? Uh, well, it is to me anyway. Um, and, and yeah, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of my time was just spent trying to develop that connection with the instrument. You know, when it when you're when you're reading Bach and you're analyzing how the how the chords are going, and you're thinking, "Wow, how did this guy write that?" That's that's the same sort of awe that I get when I listen to Adam or someone like Chris or Sierra. It's like, how how did they get to that level of of musicianship? Because it's all in the moment as well, and uh, that's that's a really it's a really great skill to have. So. So let's talk about your first band that you put together, The Fountaineers. There's a path back in the mountain to that one room house where I was born. Uh, that EP. That's a great EP. Was it was it tough to find people now you're, you're at this conservatoire and you know I'm assuming that all of them were into American style <laughs> yeah. bluegrass. You know, was it was it tough to find people to put this together? I I graduated at this point before I made the before I made the band and uh, you know we we just had the pandemic. So I graduated in 2019 and then it was the pandemic in 2020. And, um, you know, I was kind of sitting in my room and, and there was no one to play with. And, 
you know, we put up this call, like um, there's a there's a session in Glasgow that isn't run by me, it's run by uh, a fiddler called Jerry Foreman here in, here in Glasgow. And she runs an old time session. And when that stopped in the pandemic, um, the, the, the Glasgow old time session started to get together. Uh, and uh, that's where a few of the players kept meeting. So we, in the pandemic, we played in this fountain in the Calvin Grove Park called uh the Kevin Grove Fountain, that's what we call it. Um and uh it's a, it's a it's a monument anyway. Um so we we played in this fountain that was drained out during the pandemic and we would all meet there and we'd all play together uh old time tunes, bluegrass, whatever comes up. And over the course of the pandemic it started dwindling down like the, the, the amount of people that arrived at the session and Eventually, it was the same four guys that were that were still there, and it was myself and and Jerry Foreman, the fiddler I mentioned earlier, who started the old time session in Glasgow, and a guitar player called Michael Wright and a banjo player called Robert Hart. Um, and we were in the Glasgow Uni one day, and we were we we're jamming this music, and we were just we we're all like, why don't we just start a band? You know, if it's going to be the same people every 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 week, why don't we just start playing together? And uh, this was about twenty twenty, and. Uh, yeah, before then, um, other than the Glasgow old time session, like there's 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 not much going on. Um, but I should say uh, that there have there there has been a band in Glasgow for a while, um, the Daddy Naggins Bluegrass Band. I'm on my way. They, they are uh, stalwarts of the bluegrass scene here in the UK. Well, in Scotland, I should say. And uh, Daddy Naggins, my, my teacher at LB, as I mentioned in, in earlier when I was studying in the conservatoire in my second year, my, my teacher, Laura Beth, she's a traditional teacher at the, the conservatoire, but she also plays bluegrass mandolin. And she did with the, the Daddy Naggins band. And so they were the Glasgow bluegrass band for, for a while. And uh, we sort of inherited that spot uh, after they stopped playing uh, as much together. Um, so there was a little bit of a bluegrass scene, um, but not too much. I like to think of it as we are fourth generation uh, bluegrass, Glasgow bluegrass band. Um, because uh, I don't know if I've <laughs> said this story to you before or, or, or what, but um, Bill Monroe came over to, Glas uh, to, to Scotland and he played in, he didn't play in Glasgow, he didn't play in Edinburgh, he played in Uddingston of all places, which if you if you know your if you know your way your way around Glasgow, that is kind of wild that he didn't play anywhere in the big cities and just played <laughs> one gig in Uddingston, um, which is in the middle of nowhere. It really, is the middle of nowhere. And no no disrespect to Uddingston, but it is really out of the way. Um, but he so he played there, and uh, there is a couple in just in in Straven in East Kilbride. They're called Alan and Louise Mayers. And they have just started their own bluegrass show called Bluegrass Beats on Celtic Music Radio. And they formed a duet after seeing Bill Monroe. And their daughter, uh, Hazel Mayers, is in that band, the Daddy Naggins. So it's from Bill Monroe to the Mayers, the Mayers family band, to the Daddy Naggins, then to us. And we are the fourth 
generation bluegrass band in Glasgow. That's awesome. Yeah. And you guys did the IBMA virtual ramble uh, in, in we did, 2021. Yeah. We did. I don't know if you – did you get to go to the IBMA in 2021 or – yeah, I was at 2021. Yeah, 2021, and then last year, 2022. Yeah, the last two years I went. Yeah, what was what was that like? Because it was the way weird. I heard it, it was sort of <laughs> it was just like a like a TV in the middle of <laughs> in the middle of a giant room. It was just a little TV with no speakers or anything. I don't I don't know if we if we managed to get any support after that, but um, but yeah, yeah. It's um, the whole thing was weird. It was just you know attendance was 50 percent of mm-hmm. what it had been years previous you know and um and it was my first year there as like a uh, it was my first time there actually ever but then my first time there as a vendor mm-hmm. and um i was like oh wow this is like not as like busy as i nearly yeah. expected it to be by vendor i mean by the, there with my podcast and my buddy his banjo podcast so we each had a booth mm-hmm. there and and I was like, wow. And he, and he had been there multiple times with um, Elderly Instruments, the music company. And he was telling me how big it used to be. And last year was what it was supposed to, what what it was supposed to be like, except for this giant storm, um, kind of a hurricane. The wow. bands of that reached out, and so they can't. They had to move all these things inside, and people canceled flights. So again, I still haven't gotten to see like a full bore IBMA. I'm hoping this year. Um, it was pretty close last year from what I've heard, but that, the the crazy weather, like people just canceled their flights and or flights got yeah. canceled, just didn't show up. And, you know, they had to put all the street stuff inside buildings. And um, yeah. Yeah, so the weekend wasn't nearly as busy, but oh, I'm looking forward shame, to man. this year. Yeah, man, I'm really hoping to get out there at some point. Uh, it's definitely on the radar. It's just it's just a bit of a um, it's a bit of an ambitious project with all the visas and stuff getting that sorted out, all the work visas. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, but I'll keep applying for sure, and, and and hopefully some year we'll be out there. Oh man, that would be awesome! And then, and we should say the reason now we're talking today is you have a Kickstarter that just started off for the for your own band, the Callum Morton Band. Yeah, man. Yeah, I uh, I just launched yesterday, and uh, I woke up this morning, and we're nearly quarter of the way funded. We're twenty. We're actually we're. I think I'll just I'll refresh just now. I think we're just over twenty five percent funded. Man, congratulations! Um, That's amazing. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, I've I've been I've been building up to it for a bit, and uh, yeah, this crowdfunder is uh, it's going well, and I'm I'm happy about it. I'm basically raising funds through a crowdfunder uh, a crowdfunder website called Kickstarter, and uh, it's all or nothing. So uh, you can pledge. But if I don't make the initial target of uh, six thousand dollars, uh, six thousand pounds, then then all the money is refunded and, and the album can't be made. But uh, you know I'm gonna have some of the top bluegrass players in the UK join me for this album, and uh, you know there's all sorts of tiers for if you want to uh, if you want to pledge. There's all sorts of tiers. I've even made a special tier just for the folks over in the in the states. Uh, that want to support my music and uh, you know it's going to be mostly original music uh, written for the mandolin and for a bluegrass ensemble and it's going to have uh, a standard bluegrass instrumentation with some other instruments coming in and out and it'll be recorded right here in in the heart of Glasgow in a in a studio called Solo Sounds and it's going to be mastered by an Australian bassist and multi-instrumentalist Isaac Barter and I'm really excited about the lineup that's uh, that they've already expressed their interest for the album and I'm hoping that the the fiery spirit of Glasgow will imbue itself into the album, and uh, hopefully we'll get some cool fusion bluegrass going on. 
Well, the the two tunes that I've heard from it that you sent me that are going to be on there. The first one is a is a video that's going to be coming out next week. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. What's and how do you pronounce? I don't want to say it wrong, so I'll have you tell me the name of the single. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's called Open Bay. The single's coming out next week, uh, next Friday, the twenty eighth of July. written on mandolin it was it was actually started during during the pandemic uh, and the tune is inspired in part by the how to grow a band band by, by the one that christy set up a while ago and and uh, they, they recorded a tune called casadero and that was written by uh, paul shulaski that tune and then also it's also in part inspired by a tune written by bela fleck on his most recent album uh, my bluegrass heart and that's called Boldo Dash. So it's kind of a mix of those two tunes. Uh, so if you're familiar with those albums, you'll, you'll like this tune for sure. And it's Oban Bay, and Oban is a town in the west coast of Scotland. It's a really, it's a really small, sleepy town, and it has a distillery with two stills in it, um, which is quite unique for Scotland because a lot of the distillers have a lot of whiskey going, and they need massive warehouses to produce all this whiskey. But Oban only has a tiny little square of land, so they've just focused on getting the most out of their their area their square area and i love that about oban um and their their the whiskey is great and uh, the town is really beautiful as well so i was sitting on the bay at oban and it looks across to this hebridean island lower hebridean island of kerra and that view from the bay to kerra is what this uh, track is inspired by and uh, it was recorded <coughs> in uh, perthshire in dunning in a studio called Teapot Studios, and it was mixed by and mixed and recorded uh, by Robin, Robin uh, Wines and Robin Evans, and uh, the single, uh, yeah. It, when I was there, I recorded two tracks, uh, and, and the second track is called Washing Hog, and but the single comes out next week, and I had uh, a few great musicians on there, uh, namely Pepita Emmerich, Theodore Barnard, Cal McKinley. And you and Hasty, and uh, Pepe, Pepita and Theo. I should talk about them because they are two stalwarts of the bluegrass scene here in the UK as well. They have their own uh, duet, Reign of Animals, and they play in a trio with a, a bluegrass and country music singer based in uh, based in Dunkeld called Donnie McElliot. And they are a big part of the scene here in the UK. And and Pe Pepita and Theo are big influences on my playing as well. Pep plays mandolin. Uh, and fiddle and she's going to produce the album as well when it comes out so i'm really looking forward to that i got to watch the video this morning and mm -hmm. I, I love there's a killer harmony part right there at the beginning where she puts the fiddle down and picks up the mandolin <laughs> yeah but i also love there's that little almost slight bend in the it during that part of the song brilliant man i love that thank you man thank you thank you i that's that's um inspired um 
you know, inspired in part by, uh, well, no, I should say, I just, I just haven't really heard much mandolin tracks where there's like, it really features a bend in the playing. Uh, and I, I really like that sound of the mandolin. And uh, that harmony part, as you mentioned, yeah, Pepita, she wrote that harmony part and it's great to play that with her on the track. And uh, that harmony part's kind of become a little bit of a meme. And I, <laughs> I wrote it, I wrote it out and I sent it to uh, David Benedict. And, and when I was playing uh, at this, this year, there's a, there's a, a bluegrass camp in, in, uh, in uh, Kingham in England, happens biannually. And uh, David Benedict was teaching this year and I sent him that. And he said, oh, wow, the harmony part is so great. And I was like, yeah, I didn't write it, but uh, <laughs> Pep did and that is fantastic. Um, but yeah, so David got to play that harmony part. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nice having that harmony part around because I feel like Pep's always part of, the, part of the experience, which is great. That's great. And then the other song I heard from there was the New Essex Stomp. Oh, yeah, yeah. talk about that for sure yeah um that was written for two stalwarts of the the england bluegrass scene and uh i've been down there a few times with with my band the fountaineers and um, we 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 right after the pandemic uh or i should say during the pandemic because this was quite brave at the point at, at when it actually happened uh, a man named brian dill he heads up this festival called naseby battlefield bluegrass festival and when the pandemic restrictions started lifting here in the UK, he kind of went out on a limb and made this bluegrass festival. And it was quite risky at the time. But I'm so glad that he did because the Fountaineers got to go down there. And lo and behold, that's actually my, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite a surprise to me to think about, but it was my first bluegrass festival that I'd ever been to. And I was, I was 23, 22. Um, and I'd never been to a proper bluegrass festival uh, here in the UK. And uh, I just I just fell in love with it, and and there's so many great players in England, and uh, you know uh, Brian made a made a made a big risk and a big splash uh, in terms of like putting on that festival that year, but it it turns out to be one of the Fountaineers' uh, favorite festivals. We're going down this weekend to to Naseby again. Oh, cool! And um, yeah, and it's a great festival. Happens once a year, and it, it and it's uh, it, they have really great acts that come come up from down south. Now, there's two two players in that festival, uh, Paul Brewer and Terry Heimers, who are, are a big part of the UK bluegrass scene. And when I was there my first year at Naseby, I was up until the small hours of the morning jamming with them and singing all their favorite tunes. They were like a human jukebox. Those two. <laughs> They're incredible, and um, they're really inspirational music musicians and people. And uh, I wrote this tune for them, and they're in a band called the New Essex Brothers. And I wrote this tune for those two, so it's called New Essex Stomp. Oh, that's good. I love it. Now, when you compose tunes, since you have the ability to write tunes, how, how do you come up with them? I mean, do you, do you write them on the instrument? Do you write them on paper first, or is it a combination of both? Yeah, that's a great question. 
so yeah when i when i write tunes i like to think about where i am on the mandolin and and what key i'm in and i like to find what i like to say on the instrument um and some tunes are heavily inspired by my heroes in Chris Thiele and David uh, Grisman and uh, Sierra Hall and guys like Mike Marshall. Um, and I'll just think about what, what they've said in that key and then I'll try and change little bits of it. And I'll, I'll then write that out and, and I'll see if it sits well with me. And I like to do that and I like to find out why that sounds so good to me and whether it's, ex it's as expressive as possible without having lyrics. I like fighting the 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 prejudice I would say not not really prejudice but the the preference for having lyrics in a tune rather than uh, you know just having an instrumental because I like to find out what's what's the most expressive a tune can be without having the lyrics and I like that challenge so that's how I write yeah I love I mean again the two I've heard just great stuff great compositions and yeah I'm really excited to hear the entire thing Thank you, man. Yeah, absolutely. To let people, as a reminder, Kickstarter is all or nothing. And uh, I, I would say you have a very modest amount that you're looking for to make this. So we should be able to be able to help make this happen. You know what I mean? This is a very reasonable sized Kickstarter and um, uh, the stuff's great. So I, I really people can go to Kickstarter and 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 kick in a little money to help this out. I would highly encourage it. I will also do the same. No, that's really kind of you, man. Yeah, and as I mentioned, there's lots of tiers that include special special rewards for the tiers uh, that have all sorts of different rewards like tune books and uh, transcriptions and lessons and all these kind of different rewards that you can have access to. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully one, one of those tiers works for you. That's great. Do you do a lot of teaching? Yeah, I do do some teaching. I, I do some private lessons here in the UK. Now, are they, uh, do they do them on violin or do you do them on mandolin? Yeah, I do them on mandolin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, nice man. Yeah, it's, it's a great experience and a great honor to be able to teach. Yeah. All right, let's talk. Let's talk about your axe. What's your main mandolin? Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about my mandolin. Um, it's it's a custom made F five mandolin made by Joe Ryan, and she's a local luthier in Glasgow here. And uh, when I went to Tennessee, I went to the Carter Vintage Store, which is a, an amazing experience. I can't say enough good things about that store. And I went into the the, the mandolin room there. <clears throat> There's, you know, a whole, you know, you guys know, it's a whole wall of just a mandolin's wet dream, you know, a mandolinist's, you know, heaven. And uh, when I was there, I played a lot of Gibsons, which which I really enjoyed. And I played a lot of um, Collins and, and Ellis and Pava mandolins. But my favorite was a red diamond mandolin. Uh, I, I considered selling my soul for that mandolin many times, <laughs> but never, never worked up the courage to ask. So this is this is based off of the blueprints of a Don McRoasty red diamond mandolin, and uh, you know it has the neck of a Krishik mandolin, which was my teacher LB's mandolin at the time, and it was it's uh, sort of she she lent uh, us the mandolin so that uh, Jill could then base the neck off of that Krishik mandolin. Uh, which is a Czech-based luthier, Krishik, uh, and does great mandolins as well. But Jill, this was her first, her first F-style mandolin that she made, uh, and it's her her tenth ever mandolin. And uh, I I think she's done a great job, and it's it sounds great. She just refreshed it as well, actually. And it sounds beautiful, and uh, it's uh, it's all custom built. And I I got to choose all these different specs with her, and this Euro spruce, uh, Euro spruce top and plain maple back and sides. And uh, 
you know, her, her signature is having this flamed maple binding, which is incredible. If you see it up close, it's like the binding is all flamey and, and beautiful. And, and right, right up here at the scroll, uh, just next to the fretboard, the 12th fret, there, there's a really big bend around the scroll. And she sent me pictures, <laughs> which looked like, which looked like uh, just scraps of wood on the floor, but was probably weeks of work for her just to try and bend the wood around the scroll of the of the mandolin here. And it, I think it paid off because it's really beautiful. She called it the, the, the maple graveyard, <laughs> which is, I might, I might write a tune based on that at one point, but, but I think it pays off because it, it looks incredible. I'm looking at the uh, picture of you holding on your website right now. It is, I love that. That's gotta be tough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a long process, but it, it really paid off. And I got the speed neck, of course, because, you know, I'm obsessed with, with uh, playing fast apartment. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a great mandolin. And, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've taken it everywhere. You know, I, I took this one to France with me last year and, and it travels great. And, and it play, it's really punchy as well. It has a really nice top end. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll, you know, you'll be able to hear it in, in a video coming soon. So Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see it in person if you ever make it back to the uh, States here. Oh, that for sure. Beautiful, yeah. man. For sure, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was going to say that it's interesting you got a custom build because I would imagine there's not tons of mandolins at music stores in Scotland. No, there, there's a few builders out there. Um, but when I was looking for a mandolin, so I had an Eastman when I was at school. I had an Eastman uh, F4 oval-shaped Eastman overhaul. And that, that was really nice for the classical stuff. Um, but when you when you wanted a little punchy bluegrass mandolin, uh, you know, it kind of kind of didn't have the chops there. So I was looking for an F style mandolin, and my teacher uh, LB that I mentioned earlier, she she sort of uh, recommended that I go with this luthier, and it was kind of a risk, you know, for both of us because um, it's her first uh, F style mandolin, and I just come back from Tennessee and I was looking for this like really specific custom built uh, mandolin, and you know I yeah I. I really liked that part of it. It was it was a risk for both of us, but uh, and it was a risk for me because um, you know I I was a broke student at then, and <laughs> I spent all my I spent all my student loans on this mandolin. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I think worth it in the end, but uh, I don't think I'll ever pay it back, you know. Um, but you know, such is the way. And and she did a great job, and and she the, just the amount of care that she took uh, in in making this mandolin. Um, yeah, it really it really made me feel comfortable. Uh, to to splash on a on a on an F. So, yeah. how long did it take her from from the time you guys talked to the time you took took it into your hands? I think because it was her first F, it took took her longer than it than it would now. But it was I, I want to say a good six months uh, to 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 get all the specs together. And I would say yes, yeah, just a bit over I think. And 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 you know we were emailing back and forth for for months before that as well. So the whole process was about a year. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's paid off because uh, yeah, she did a really great job with it. And I'm really happy with it. This is my my gigging and all-purpose instrument for everything. So, do you do you plug in when you play ever, or do you just use mics? No, I I just recently got one of those K and K pickups. Oh, okay, so I yeah. Can plug in, and uh, you know I but I much prefer and uh, I I go on the Data Benedict School of Thought with this. I, I like to try and go as close as close mic as possible. Um, 
and uh, you know only only if I absolutely have to I'll blend between the pickup and a close mic if I can so that's my preference do you plug into a preamp yeah I use the Eller bags uh, preamp not not the uh, the venue di just just the the, the standard box one yeah I yeah. Use that one. yeah what about strings and picks you know I've been using um I don't know if you use these ones the Wigan picks oh know? yeah yeah yeah, yeah, they're they're my favorite for for tone, and you can get you know quite speedy on them without having too much of a of a of a resistance. Um, I do like blue chips, but I've lost a blue chip before, and that feeling is just awful. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you can relate. I definitely can relate. <laughs> yeah, I I lost my first one in a piano lid. It just slipped right. It just went whoop, right oh. under the piano lid, and I could see it through the piano. It's this grand piano in the in the in the conservatoire that I, that I was at the time, and I could see it. And I went down to the reception, and I was like, "Hey, can you help me rescue this pick from the piano?" And they very politely told me to 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 to, to sod off, basically, because oh. I was looking I was looking to take the bottom out of the piano just for a pick. And I was like, no, but you don't understand. It's a really expensive, <laughs> yeah. custom-made, you know, American engraved pick. You don't understand. And they're like, dude, you know, we've got better things to do. You know, leave me alone. <laughs> oh, that's classic. Which <laughs> is fair enough. But, you know, I'm, I'm using Wiegands. And uh, for a recent recording, I used a uh, X-Stiff Clownbarf pick. I don't know if you've tried those. Oh, they're yeah, great. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they sound really great. Uh, yeah, so. And what about strings? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I like to use the XS, the white packet of uh, Diodario strings. I feel like I have the most acid hands uh, you can imagine. <laughs> they, they, especially in your climate, um, they would like the mandolin would just be like you, you wouldn't even be able to hear it after after a day playing in your climate. It's just <laughs> I have I I I've I've known that I've had a, I've had acid hands for a while, and and XS strings and Diodario they just seem to last. Uh, longer for me so I, I really like to use them yeah are those easy to come by there um i would say i was i would say they're reasonably easy uh, you can you can order them online on bulk in bulk and uh and that's what i do i i usually um buy them from jill who's the luthier i mentioned earlier oh okay and and she buys them in bulk so oh perfect. I, i'd say they're, they're they're relatively relatively easy to come by do you have a mic you like to use when you play live do you take your own or you just kind of rely on what the venue has yeah, I mean, so I was relying on, on the venue for a while, um, but it's only recently that I've just got an SM57. Oh, perfect, yeah. And it's, it's, it's not my, uh, you know, my preference. I, I've heard a lot about the uh, KM184s, the Neumanns, and I would love to use one of them, you know, eventually when I have the funds. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just use an SM57 at the moment, and that kind of picks it up. Uh, it does the job, you know. Um, Do you listen to some of those old live recordings of all the killer players you know, Sam Bush playing on festivals with Tony Reiser, playing into 57s, you know, and yeah, yeah. there's industry standards at almost all the festivals you go to. So you're, you're hey, that's, that's it is good one. enough for them. That's it right. It is good enough for them, you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, man. Well, man, I got two more questions for you. And the, uh, the first one is if you had 10 minutes a day to work on something to get better, what would you work on? Oof. That, that is a great question. Oh, there's, there's, there's so there's so many so many great answers I could probably think of. I what I like to do is 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 I'll play a sound. I don't know if you if you use this. It's called frequency generator. 
uh, tone frequency generator. Yeah, I haven't used it, but I think describe that for people. I think I know what yeah, you're talking yeah, about. So I'll just I'll just get it to play a tone. Say it's four forty A, okay, and I'll I'll just sit with that and I'll just play notes on the mandolin and I'll discover if this is kind of like the Suzuki Suzuki method. I'll discover what the note is in relation to the tone. So I'll I'll really sit with the the sharp three and I'll like. I'll feel what that sound is like in relation to the tone, or I'll sit with the the flat five as Adam likes to do a little flat five rub, and I'll feel what that's like, and I feel like that really helps me have a relationship with each uh, each note in the scale, and that's what I like to do. That's a great. That's the first time this one's come up. That's a great yeah, one. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah thanks. absolutely. Yeah, it's like a drone note, right? It's just just yeah, just, like a drone. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I Thanks, know what I'm doing the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to have a, either a good day or a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> that. Uh, either one. You know what, though? With a, with a mandolin, it's always good, you know? Yeah, even oh, if yeah. it's bad, <laughs> at least I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I could be in this 96-degree heat uh, putting shingles on my roof or something or somebody's roof, you know? So. Yeah, man. It could be worse. Could yes, be worse. exactly. And uh, do you have a favorite beer? Oh my goodness! You know, I didn't even think about the the beer part of this. Damn, I should have I should have come prepared. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a favorite beer. Yeah, um, that's okay. I have to. I can only apologize for that. I I have a favorite whiskey. Yeah, what's uh, that? If if you mind, um, my favorite whiskey is Open Fourteen, uh, and it's extremely smooth. Uh, that whiskey and uh, has all of the 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 salty West Coast air uh, of Scotland infused in that whiskey. And if you get a chance to try it, uh, I would really recommend that. Uh, of course, in in the in the campaign, there's a, in a certain tier, there's a, my personal whiskey uh, recommendations. So I can I can I can speak about it all day long. But my favorite is the, the Open Fourteen. Ah, oh, that's sure. great. And then and then also, since there's not a beer, do you have a favorite American fiddle tune that you like to play? Oh, I just I just got done learning Bailey's Wheel. That's really nice. Great tune. Um, yeah, man, that's that's a that's a good one in B flat as well. There's there's lots of nice ones in B flat. I don't know. I'd have to say, Herschel Sizemore, his Rebecca, like that's that's a great tune. That's a really great tune. I love playing that. And uh, it's on the Fountaineers recording. You guys do a great version. Yeah. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, that's it's a, it's a really good one. It's good for for shedding uh, shedding B. And I and you know I've got to give props to David Grisman, man. Like he's made some he's made some incredible tunes. Doggrass and EMD. Dog's rag, you know all these, all these amazing tunes that he's made. So I've got to give some props to him for that. Yeah, I swear every time I hear a dog song, it's like I read. I, it puts me down another rabbit hole to listen to Dog all day. Like oh, I, yeah. Like I haven't ever heard him before. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's oh he's so good. He's just what a hero. What a hero he is. Well, thank you so much for doing this, and and I know you've got a a, a gig coming up uh, later yeah. today. So have a great gig and. Thank you. Yeah, man, and good luck on the Kickstarter, dude. Please, um, let's keep in touch. And uh, first off, I I hope you knock the Kickstarter out of the park here, and and let me know when this album's out, and we'll do another one when the album comes out. Oh, I'd love to do that, man. And hey, thank you for having me on. Uh, you've had you really had some of my heroes on this, and 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 I love the show, and I really appreciate talking to you, man. Thank you. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciated talking to you. <laughs> All right, what a great guy. Uh, Kickstarter is live. I've got the links below in the description. They're at the website. 
go and go and sign up. It's a very modest amount he's looking for. Let's help him get there. And while we're, while we're doing that, let's listen to his uh, version with the Fountaineers doing Rebecca on the way out. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody.